Hey, Rach. Hey, Hugh. Hi, Tom. Wherever you may be. Yes. We're doing Hi, another. Charlie. It's not Charlie. It's Steve. <laughs> I know. It's like Charlie. This is like Charlie's Angels, though. You're oh, okay. Talking box. Talking box. <laughs> you are nowhere near as attractive as one of the angels. That's a bit rude. Yes, I know. No, nowhere near. It like, probably nowhere doesn't look near. as good in lycra, I suppose, or whatever it is. <laughs> no offence. No. <laughs> so where are you, roving reporter? I'm in. I'm in a in a dungeon in Bristol. A dungeon. Yeah, surrounded by <laughs> old newspapers and um, bits and pieces. So, oh. right, shall we get on with it? Shall we? We've come this far. You're listening to the Real Reading podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that programme, uh, Hunted, on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that Did was brilliant, Did you see the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him at the funny Yes, that was brilliant. Hello. Hello! I'm Hugh Forks. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning, and welcome to episode 92 of the Real Reading Podcast. You can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. This week, our special guest is Paul Gutteridge of social media phenomenon Caversham United, and he's talking to us about Sunday League Day, which is a charity day they, his team and he have organised at the end of March. We've also got Rachel's Fact of the Week, and Fort Explains It All, which this week, Hugh, is about... The major exciting plan to get rid of Reading's traffic nightmare forever. Brilliant. I can't wait to hear all about it. Okay. Do you, uh, magician involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, it's a monorail. No. Is this, monorail! Is this like the other week when you pulled the um, tablecloth off the table without spilling a thing, Hugh? Yes. Much Did like... you get your promotion, by the way? Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, you were very, very animated discussion with one of the very top brass within Reach PLC, <laughs> laughing uproariously. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh dear. Well, I'm glad you're back. That was that was two weeks ago. So anyway, um, feedback <laughs> feedback from last week's show. Uh, I did uh, put out the random question we had last week, which was, uh, what was your favourite after school club or activity? Rach, do you remember what yours was? Mine. Yeah. Um, I don't. I did a favourite. Did I did a least favourite? Oh, yes, you which did. Was Jimmy's. Yeah, and I came up with trampolining, which I was very keen on. Um, so uh, I've got a couple here, a couple of couple from other people. Um, Paul Smithson. More from him later. Rounders or British Bulldog? British Bulldog was great game. Slightly oh, dangerous. I, love a, I still love a game around us now. <laughs> British Bulldog would never, ever, ever be allowed in any school. Today. <laughs> uh, Barbara. Pask said Duke of Edinburgh Award and swimming. Sandra Buchan, swimming. Graham McKenzie, the intelligent one out of all of us, chess club. Um, mm. Graham Hoskins said leaving as quickly as possible to go home and play on my ZX Spectrum. <laughs> From memory, not that I had one, but you couldn't do anything quickly on a ZX Spectrum. I was going to say, you had to get home quickly because it used to take an hour to look. Yeah. Is that where you have to put the tape in and then just let That's it go? That's the one, yeah, for some reason. And then you get a oh, message okay. after 45 minutes saying, error, please reload. <laughs> <laughs> and you smash your joystick. In Indeed. And then there was Nathan Strong who just said a youth club, which, you know, keeps you out of trouble, doesn't it? So youth club, that's that's what that does. So that's good. 
Um, okay, that was that was some feedback. If you'd like to feedback, we uh, fortunately have got Jeremy here to tell you how. Get in touch with the team. Find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod, and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, now it is time for Rach's Fact of the Week. Reading Fact of the Week. Right, time for Rach's Fact of the Week. Rachel, the timer is running. What are My we talking about? Is it started? Oh, yes, it started. Start? It started. It's going. Oh, gosh. Okay. Right, so because you were interviewing um, the chap from Caversham United... Paul Gutteridge. Yes, Paul Gutteridge. I thought I would stick with the football theme. Um, so I'm going to talk about Reading Football Club, Reading FC, but I'm going to go back to the old, old, old days. Okay. We talk about what well, I talk about, the glory years, <laughs> around 2006, quite a lot. Uh, but we're going to go way back to the beginning. Um So, yeah, Reading Football Club, not to be confused with the Reading Royals, Okay. Who are apparently an ice hockey club from Pennsylvania. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to. Although we do call them the Royals because they are from the Royal County of Berkshire, um, also known as the Biscuit Men because of our old favourite Huntley and Palmers, or as me and my brother like to call them, Yours. Um, so they're currently in the championship and the manager is Mark Bowen, but going way, way back to the beginning. So Reading Football Club was established on, on Christmas Day in 1871, following a public meeting at the Bridge Street Rooms, which was organised by the future club secretary, uh, Joseph Edward Sydenham. Um the very early matches, they didn't have a, a particular ground to play at. Um, so the early games were played at the Reading Recreation Ground. Do you know what that is? Uh, I assume that's maybe Palmer Park or something like that. Possibly, yeah, or Prospect Park. Um, I don't know. Uh, Reading Cricket Ground, Coley Park. Coley Park seems to pop up quite a lot in my historical it does. research. Doesn't it? Quite a lot went on at Coley. Centre of the universe. It is, apparently so. And uh, Caversham Cricket Ground as well. Um, so, Hugh, you mentioned something earlier about the first ever game. This is off the top of my head, so I am, well, I am happy, unusually happy to be correct, corrected. <laughs> um, my, my understanding is that Reading's first game was 13 aside. Um, 13 aside, and I believe a lot of their uh, early games were at Christchurch Meadows. Um, and they used to get these huge crowds of people, but they would just literally, there wasn't because there wasn't a stadium, they'd just stand around the side of the pitch. And uh, we're, we're talking thousands of people to watching early, early football <laughs> in a field in Reading <laughs> by the river. Um, so that would be an interesting place to visit should time travel ever, uh, ever be invented in our lifetime. Um, so the club went professional in 1895 when it had 300 members, which <laughs> they obviously were happy to go and watch it on Christchurch Meadows for free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they yeah. didn't want to pay for a membership. Um, but when it became professional, it needed a, a proper home, which is when Elm Park 
came to be. So the new ground was funded by, there was a, a £20 donation by JC Fiddler, and he only donated that £20 on the proviso that there was no liquor to be sold at the ground. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, awkward. Yeah, a bit like Scottish football now then. Um, And then there was various donations from wealthy supporters um, and it was then built up in a former former gravel pit up in West Reading, um, up near Prospect Park um, on Elm Road. Um, So the first first ever game at Elm Park was on the 5th of September 1896 against a a non-registered team who were from Holloway College. Um, Didn't go well, if I'm honest. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So first of all, Reading were fined five whole pounds because they played against a team who were non-registered and they also got suspended for that. Not only that, but the game was actually rained off, (laughs) which was quite unfortunate because at the time it was rained off, uh, Reading were 7-1 up, (laughs) which is going uh, quite a a rare scoreline, I would imagine. Um, so they took £44 on the gate at that first game. That and been quite a lot of money back then, wouldn't it? 44 quid. Well, it probably was, yeah. yeah. And then there was an attendance of 2,500. Oh, isn't that about what you pay to go and stand in the, sit in the away end at Leeds? Yes. What, £44? <laughs> I think so, Is yeah. it? Gosh. Um in 1913, Reading had a, a very successful tour of Italy, um, prompting the leading sports newspaper at the time, Corriere della Sera, to write, without doubt, Reading Football Club are the finest foreign team seen in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like clearly, that. Clearly. Clearly ever. Ever. Still yeah, to I mean, this point. Yeah, that stands. That, that statement yeah. stands. <laughs> well, well, well. Um, so uh, Reading then joined the the football league in 1920. Which I think the football league is that. What is that? Is that like a precursor to the kind of professional leagues now? I think the structure is still known as the football league. Yes, but I'm not sure. It's probably very different now than it was mm. then. Um. So, I mean, there's loads of history I could go into around the games themselves, but we'd be here all day. Um, <laughs> they played, I think the Football League was suspended during the, the World Wars, but they still had something called the War League, which uh, okay. Reading also played. Um, they played then at Elm Park for 102 years until 1998 when they made the move up to the the Medeski Stadium up on the A33, as we know, named after the chairman, John Medeski. Um, But the last competitive match was played at Elm Park on the 3rd of May 1998 against Norwich. And unfortunately, Reading lost lost 1-0. Yeah, they'd already been relegated, I believe. Oh dear. (laughs) I thought they would have liked to go out on a bit of a... You know, blaze of glory. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a pretty terrible time. We knew that the, the golden years were ahead of us. They were ahead. <laughs> well, you can't really know that, though. You know, you you, no. you can hope, but you don't know. We were moving to a nice shiny stadium, so we thought we'd you know, <laughs> cruise the Premier League in a couple of seasons yeah. and stay there forever. 
Well, they needed to move, really, because of all the um, like health and safety regulations that were coming in around having seated stadiums yeah. and things. Yeah, that ground. So <laughs> what was quite interesting about Elm Park, I actually had to turn around and speak to John Lowe, a.k.a. sports reporter extraordinaire, about this to question it. But apparently the capacity of Elm Park um, historically was... 33,000 people. Wow. And the record attendance there was just over 33,000. <laughs> so I, I can't, I, I did go to Elm Park a few times and I cannot even begin to imagine how you fitted that many people in. Um, by the time they left the ground to go to the Madstad, um, it was 14,800, which I assume is due to putting some seating <laughs> in some of the stands at yeah. least. Yeah. Health and safety, nabby pabby nanny stuff. Yeah, yeah, ruining the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Nice. I mean, there's obviously loads more history around Reading, but I just wanted to kind yeah. of go back to the old, old days for something a bit different. So there you go. Marvellous stuff. Thank you, Rach. Very interesting. Uh, if anybody has any memories of being part of a 33,000 crowd at Elm Park, that, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I, that, that sounds basically like the whole of Reading, to be honest, was in there. On that, Tom, yeah. I would wager also that, I don't know how things were, were, would have been calculated in those days, but certainly Elm Park was quite easy to get into without without <laughs> any using any of the official entrances. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so, those attendances should not be taken as, uh, <laughs> as a, probably a lot more people than, than stated. And from what I remember, and it probably was a lot worse than back in the day. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much, Rach. Good, good research. Um, end of part one. We will move into part two and straight into Fort Explains It All. This is Fort Explains It All. Hello, Hugh. Good day. Right, we're talking through transport plans. Nothing to do with yeah. football whatsoever. No, no. Although, Does it involve the A33 at all? So at least you could say you drive past the Madstad. Yes, uh, in a sense, the, uh, the traffic plan does include the new Green Park Station, which they hope very much football fans will use instead of driving to the stadium, thus alleviating the traffic problem seen around that match day. So, yes. And there is your link. There is the seamless. <laughs> seamless. Okay, Hugh, tell us all about it. So this is Reading Borough Council's local transport strategy. We've talked about this before. It was the consultation that we urged, that I urged many, as many people as possible to take part in and um, uh, not... Not a small amount. They said actually it was one of their biggest responses ever, um, but it was still not 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 a massive, massive amount of people. Um, but they've now re released their findings, and they're not saying specifics. This is what we're definitely going to do, but um, there are kind of proposals into how they want to tackle the traffic issue which is quite interesting. The main headline from it is road user charging, which is the official capital term is demand management. <laughs> very, keen, very keen not to use the term congestion charges. Um, basically, they say that 
because so many people use Reading as a shortcut. So they come off um, come off the A34 in Oxfordshire, drive through Reading, and uh, and uh, come back onto the M4 at Junction 11, uh, and the M40, I think, they come from as well. And so they drive through Reading. They don't stop. They offer nothing to the town apart from pollution. Um, and the council says this isn't really on. So somewhere down the line, there'll be some sort of charge. It's likely there'll be some sort of charge for, for people who use Reading as a rat run. Um, what that might be, we don't know. How that's going to work, we don't know. But it's certainly something they're considering. They're also considering something called a workplace parking levy where big businesses who have large car parks would have to pay a certain amount of money per car parking space as another way to perhaps discourage um, so many people from driving into work. Um, and there would be potentially charges, charges, emissions-based charges on vehicles and um, another part of town as yet unspecified, which would be a clean air zone. Um, so that's that's one thing they're going to do, charge certain people a certain amount for going in certain parts of town, potentially. They also want to build um, a number of park and rides in north north of the river. Um, but this, of course, is dependent on a major uh, aspect of this plan, which is the third bridge over the River Thames. Mm-hmm. which we've talked about on numerous occasions. It's seen as a vital cog to to alleviate the traffic in Reading. Um, however, don't expect it anytime soon. We might be, we might possibly be enjoying it in our retirement at this at this rate. I asked Tony, Tony Page about it um, and he said uh, 20 to 30 years to completion oh my of the third Thames Bridge. Yeah, with six to ten years of um, of building work to be done. The problem is, and the same with the park and rides, is that Reading would ideally Reading can't build them in Reading. So, so as if Reading had control over where where they would be, you could put in a planning application and build the bridge, and everything would be hunky dory. Mm-hmm. But you have to negotiate with uh, South Oxfordshire and Oxfordshire County Council over one end of the bridge you have to negotiate Wokingham over another at the other end of the bridge and you have to the tricky aspect is the sales pitch of going to Oxfordshire and saying well we want to try and alleviate the traffic in our town but some of it might come into your into your area so places like Sonic Common for example it is believed that they could could be swamped by traffic coming out in out of Reading or around Reading and Oxfordshire very much don't want don't want that. However, there has been movement. We've always talked about how Reading say we want a bridge, and Oxfordshire say no. But now Oxfordshire have budged slightly and suggested that if there is a bridge, it should be public transport only. Um, Tony Page again was quite kind of um, encouraged by this, in that there was a movement in the right direction to have some sort of bridge. But he um, at this stage couldn't see it being a public transport bridge, saying it's not not practical there wouldn't be enough done to alleviate the traffic coming into town over the two existing bridges in terms of cars which brings me on to the emphasis on public transport 
um, a lot. You can expect to see a lot of new public transport routes around, um, more bus lanes in, um, around the whole town. One along the Bath Road, Tom near Southcote would be um, would be a priority. So all the way from sort of the Calcot into town um, could have a bus lane all the way along the A4 there because there's a, it's a big problem whenever they stop along that road. Um, and the other thing we can uh, we can talk about, I mean, it's a 100-page document. There's all sorts of ideas, and none of them are concrete, and a lot of them haven't got any funding yet as well, which is, uh, in fact, all of, nearly all of them haven't got any funding. Um, but the it's not the East Reading MRT, but it might be something quite similar to the East Reading MRT in that um, East Reading itself is absolutely the, would you say, I'd say the Stemmage Junction is the worst place to drive around in town. And whereas that plan completely was rejected, um, they are uh, there are proposals for something in that part of town. Um, either one of the ideas is making London Road one direction at one part of the day and another direction at other parts of the day. Oh, those things frighten me. Yeah, I just get paranoid on going. That's called that. What's time. it called? I think it's called a tidal. Oh, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I, can't I can't remember what it's called. Um, but um, essentially, something will be done in East Reading um, to alleviate the problems you have with, with buses stopping and everyone getting stuck behind the bus. Yeah. Um, but we don't quite know what yet. It probably won't be an MRT, as everyone hated that plan, and it wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, but they're very much looking at doing something. So this, um, the document's online now. It's going out for three-month consultation um, again on Monday. Okay. So, I, again, I urge everyone to read it and give their thoughts on that. Um, and it's very much not the case for all the people who are commenting on our website about how they need to build more roads for cars. That's not going to happen. So um, public transport green clean air is the focus um freeing up travel and getting as many people on buses and on on bicycles and walking as possible up to 2036 when which is when uh a lot of this stuff is hoped to be done by so it's a long-term project um and hopefully all these things like the bridge over the next well 30 years apparently we should see uh (laughs) we should see um, coming to fruition. So things are going to change very drastically in terms of travel. We just don't quite know the details yet. Can I ask a travel question? Yes. So just in case it's a stupid question, bear in mind that I actively try and avoid using my car as much as possible, particularly in Reading. Um, the yellow double lines, um, sorry, the red ones. Yeah. What what's that about? And that is am a, I in line for some fines because I don't know what they are? As long as you don't stop on them, you're all right. So it's so no, just parking. Yeah, like, like you can't so you pull can't, up on the curb or like, uh, yeah, you like can't that. stop at all. Um, so Obviously, if you're stopped in traffic, that, that is different. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> fine. But they're um, they're they're designed for bus. These travel. are the things I worry about, Tom. Don't laugh. No, so, no, I was laughing because I seemed I think it would it wouldn't surprise me if you did get fined for being stuck in traffic on a red route. Mm. 
Uh, no, yes, yeah, they're like more extreme versions of um, double yellow. So, so how is it different buses. to a double yellow? Cause... They're, they're, they're for buses, essentially. They're, the idea is to, for um, buses to um, to travel freely from one side of Reading to the other. And a lot of the times they were they were finding people were st- stopping in bus lanes to unload and stuff like that. So you're not even allowed to do that. There's right. there's no stopping. If you stop, you will get fined. And I think that's why how they're different, different to yeah. double yellows can stop any sort of extreme circumstances on a on a red double red you will get fine if you stop right thanks you um we we can i think we can we can perhaps try and unpick a bit more of this next week um so quite yes. a lot in there hugh isn't there so um yeah there's quite a lot yeah there's quite a lot in here i've, I've done various stories on it and i've got a couple more on yeah. the way um and yes, we can talk okay. at, at length. At length, <laughs> we could perhaps do a breakout pod or something at, at some point in the uh, in the not too distant future. All right, thank you, thank you, guys. Um, we will move on very briefly. Um, it is now time for our interview with Paul Gutteridge of Cavisham United Sunday League Football Club. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, now you are. Uh, remind me. Are you the you're the manager or the organizer or the or the? I was going to say the owner, but that's not quite right. Is it of Caversham United <laughs> Football Club? Um, all of those apply, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the one that does most of the stuff in the background, uh, manages the team as well, and also plays. So, yeah, jack of all trades, right? Caversham United are in the Reading and District Sunday League. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Division two this season. Great. So, tell me a little bit about uh, this this event you're organising, Sunday League Day. Tell me a little bit about it. Um, so, Sunday League Day was inspired by non-league day, um, which happens kind of October every year. And um, last year's version was was quite a success from what we could see. But that focused mainly on the, um, the Saturday League teams rather than extending over onto a Sunday. So we thought, why don't we try and push this from our side and try and get some of the Sunday League teams out there, a lot of whom are doing great things as well, um, to kind of showcase what they are doing and and draw in some of the local community, really. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a bit of a charity day. It's a bit of a charity close to your team's heart. Is that right? Yeah. So um, on on the day itself, we're, we're personally raising money for Bulls to Cancer. Um, they're a cancer charity and they focus a lot on um, male uh, cancers, which sometimes, um, due to lack of awareness and things like that, um, people don't pick up on them early enough. So um, we kind of got on board with that and we've worked with those guys and they actually feature on the, the sleeves of our kit now. So, yeah. Oh, lo- lovely stuff. And um, now I know from speaking to you previously that you you guys are a bit of a social media phenomenon. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I mean we've certainly gathered a lot of interest on social media over the past probably eighteen months now. Actually, um, we've grown a bit of a, a Twitter fan base <laughs> and uh, doing all right on other channels as well. So um, yeah, you could say that. It's it's not just uh, it's not kind of just big English clubs or UK clubs that are interested in what Caversham United get up to, is it? It's uh, mm-hmm. you've got a bit of a European flavour to it. Is there would it be fair is there even an international flavour? Yeah, certainly. I mean we have a crazy number of followers in countries like Zimbabwe and 
the USA and all over the place. And it's <laughs> kind of mad sometimes when you wait when you see where um, some of these accounts are based and and the people like seeing our shirts out in the USA next to some of like the monuments or in New York and stuff. Yeah. What is going on here? So how how but, did, how did this all come about? Because obviously you're a Sunday League team, but with the greatest of respect, how uh, yeah. how did this all happen? Um, so we were kind of inspired by uh, what AS Roma were doing on on their kind of English account on Twitter, and they were having a lot of engagement with the public and their fans and other clubs as well, and just kind of made us think, oh, maybe that should be something we should do to try and raise our profile as a club a little bit. And um, one thing led to another, and teams like Roma and some of the other big players like Bayer Leverkusen, Bayern Munich, those kind of clubs started to engage with us, and our following started to grow. And um, out of that, we then picked up a sponsor in Football Kitbox, and after getting a sponsor on board, it kind of led to competition for us to kind of rebrand as Cambridgeham United. So we ended up getting um, a new nickname, the Billy Goats, was chosen by Twitter followers. The club badge was redesigned as part of a competition. And uh, so was our, our club home shirt was designed off, off the back of a, a Twitter um, competition. So, yeah. <laughs> The social media had a massive influence on us over this last kind of year and a half, I'd say. It certainly, um, it certainly raised the profile for you guys a little bit, and and obviously, um, I'm I'm just looking at the poster in front of me as well. That was that's been designed by someone on on Twitter as well. Is that right? Is that the Sunday League? Yeah, the Sunday League Day poster. Right. So that one actually wasn't the oh, logo okay. was. Yes. Uh, the poster came from a hidden talent within our ranks, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> He's actually managed to pull that together, and um, I'd say we're about 75% of a, a program that will be present on Sunday League Day as well. It's all come through this hidden talent that we never knew we had, so <laughs> <laughs> you find out new things all the time. You do indeed, you do indeed. And so I guess what's... Um kind of what's what's the reaction from some of the other teams to your to to, to, to sort of your infamy? I'd say it's mixed. <laughs> some some clubs are, are well on board with it and they want to try and um, kind of almost grow their fan base and uh, stature off, off yours, which is absolutely fine, more than happy to do. And I think some clubs do kind of almost get a sense of jealousy from some teams <laughs> and some of the comments they make. And um, it, it struck me in a game, we were playing the season and... Um, one one of the teams we were playing against, I think we were 3-1 down at half-time. And one of their players made a comment as we were walking off saying, yeah, why didn't you tweet about that? <laughs> and uh, we ended up coming back in the game. And I think it finished 3 all actually. And uh, I came back to bite him a little bit. And then they <laughs> set up their own Twitter account since. So, <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> just yeah. goes to show. But it, it's most most things are, are quite good-hearted, though. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I know. Uh, I know you. Obviously, you mentioned they are just playing some football. I know that's been a bit of a problem for you lately. Uh, what is that again? <laughs> uh, they're playing playing football. You know the the, the game with the, the oh. twenty two players and a football. Oh. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's um, it's certainly been a challenging winter period for us. I think since the start of December, we've we've managed to play three games. Oh. Um, so 
yeah, we're we're rather rusty um, going into Sunday League Day, um, but in theory we should have games the next two weekends leading up to it, and then the big day itself. So. Yeah. Fingers crossed we can get back into the swing of things before then. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's just take it right back to Sunday League Day then. What uh, What's happening on the day and where is it? So, um, Sunday League Day, we are putting on a bit of a kind of event, showcase Sunday League and what, what the Reading Sunday League is all about and what we're doing as a club as well. Um, we are hosting a game down at our normal home venue which i mean i say it's our normal home venue we've only actually played four games everything um <laughs> but the ibis club down scours lane in reading um we've managed to push the kickoff back to two o'clock one so we can hopefully attract people from local clubs as well that have probably maybe got a game in the morning and also a bit more of a friendly time for for people to to get up on a sunday and come down and watch um, so we're really trying to reach out to the local community, anyone in the local area who wants to come down and see what it's all about. And um, on the day itself, we're going to have um, a bar present, so Double Barrel Brewery, who are based just around the corner, yeah. and they're going to come down, set up a bar, um, and um, we're also going to have food available. Um, so there'll be hot food uh, that will be available on the touchline. Um, we've got the program that's been designed by Joe and our squad. Um, that's looking fantastic at the moment as well. Um, and hopefully we're going to have a few more bits and pieces, including potentially a new Caversham kit as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah, all, all things <laughs> to look out for. Um, but, I mean, for the, for the game itself, we're, we're not charging anyone entry. Um, it's free to get in, but all we're asking is that if people have a good time, enjoy themselves, just to make a donation to the Bulls to Cancer, we'll have um, kind of buckets there on the day to collect any donations, or they can do it via the Just Giving link that's on our Twitter feed as well. So that that's what we're aiming for. And <laughs> so far from what we've heard, we've we've got quite a lot of interest in the local area, good. and um, hopefully that continues to grow, and we can get a, a decent crowd down and enjoy the day. Excellent. So this is on Sunday the 29th of March at the Ibis Club, Scours Lane, 2pm kickoff. Um, exactly. Just one final thing, how much are you hoping to raise for Balls to Cancer? A good question. So we've, um, we've, as I've just mentioned, we set up a, a, a Just Given page already. Yeah. And um, the target total at the moment is £1,000. Um, we're already a fifth of the way there towards that, just through initial kind of reaching on social media and family and friends but we we hope to to go beyond that and i know ibis club have been good about getting involved with things and um they've offered to donate the pitch fee to to charity as well and things like that so we hope that other local people and local businesses as well if if anyone's listening that is involved with local business then please do get in touch because there's always things that that can be done on the day and we'd be more than happy to welcome people along too. Great stuff. Paul, thank you very much for talking to us. Anything else people need to know? Um, Well, the only thing that you need to know now is that uh, Caversham are going to win on the day. So (laughs) come down and make sure you're supporting the right team while you're there. I suppose (laughs) I'll tell you what we haven't done. We haven't mentioned the opposition at all, AFC Pangborn. Yes. How have they reacted? um, 
they they've they've been really good about it. Um, we, I think the other day when we we launched the um, the poster for the event, uh, one of the players who noticed he was the cover star from their side, and he was very excited about things <laughs> from their side. Um, so we're just um, they they've been great throughout, and um, hopefully they've been pushing things as hard as we have from from our side to try and get people along. Um, so yeah, we we managed to sneak a three points off from earlier in the season and <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed we can do the same in the return leg excellent stuff paul thank you very much for talking to me thanks very much Tom. cheers thank you okay that was the interview did either of you get a chance to listen to it i was very organized and sent it over to you earlier I did, yep. Yeah, I listened to some of it last night. Any... I need to finish it though. Ah, okay, fine. No, well, we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll 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 park any question, but it should be quite a good fun day. Um, quite a lot of people, although um, obviously the 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 world might be against it at the moment. Their uh, gatherings and and that sort of thing. So you know, we'll we'll have to see. But um, it should, if, assuming everything goes ahead, it should be quite a good day. Okay, have you got the random question mug? Have. Good. Is um, it my turn? I, I have no idea and I have I no control over this. So um, I can't see it. I can't see you. So. The random question. Right. Are you ready? I don't, you think, I don't think we've explained. I, think that. I could make one up. Have we, um, have we explained that um, I'm quite far? We have explained that I'm quite far away, haven't we? We've done that already. Sorry for interrupting you, Rach. Carry on. That's all right. Where was your favourite place to go locally on a family day out? Oh. Oh, I've got two. Go on then. Um, well, the first one is... Does anyone remember the bird farm? No. I can't even think what it was really called now. It was out at um, Ipston on the way to Wallingford. And I, I actually can't remember what it was really called. The Bird Farm. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, it was just like a tiny animal park with birds, surprisingly. Yeah. Flamingos, I can remember, and a parrot that could talk. And you could go and buy bags of food to give to donkeys and goats and all of that malarkey. Yeah. Um, but just because it was just down the road, it, we went there a lot and it was really nice. But it's not there anymore. Um, and the other one was like pre cinema complex in Reading. So this is before the showcase, way before view. We used to go to the Wickham Six. Did Blimey. you never go? No, never yeah. heard of it. You had to go all the way to Wickham for like oh, an hour. Out- right, sorry, actual Wickham complex. I thought it was just the name, like W I C K H A M. I thought it was just like like the name of something, but you actually had to go to Wickham. The village of Wickham in West Berkshire, you mean, where there's a cinema there. No, true. Certainly not a complex. Why Wickham, people? Why Wickham? (laughs) Yeah. We had to get all the way there to go to a multiplex. We could have just come into town, I suppose. Why don't you get to the the one where the jump centre is now? Uh, The one on Cheapside? Yeah. I don't... Well, I don't know. did do that as well. All the Odeon in the... 
Broad Street. Fry Street. Fry Street. Broad Street. One of the two. There's got to be one of the two. Well, there was one kind of roughly where the cinema, uh, where the hotels are now on Fry Street, isn't there? Yes. Then, like the Novotel. Yes, I watched last Next to the Bull's Head. The Bull's Head was there. Yeah. The, the actual Bull's Head is now museum. in the museum. Sorry. No. It is. It's quite big, actually. Massive, yeah. Big old ball. <laughs> anyway. Hugh, those are what mine. about you? Uh... One place I used to really like going when I was younger, which this might be to something of a niche audience, but was there was a farm shop in Mortimer which had an amazing invention playground in it. <laughs> oh, cool. An amazing invention playground, and they used to sell frozen bananas covered in chocolate. Oh, <laughs> like nice. They stick a lolly stick in the banana and dip it in chocolate and then freeze wow. it. They were awesome. That's not there anymore. That's a housing estate now, as, it all things are. as is everything. Um, I also liked to, I used to like going to Beale Park. Yeah, and uh, because they had animals there, and I always remember they had a bird there called a capercaillie. Capercaillie, <laughs> yes, which was rather a rather ferocious bird, rather which made a, and they used to fight each other in the um oh, in, the, in the cage and make a really terrifying noise. They're black, and I've got a, I, I'm going to be completely wrong now, but I remember them being black and red, which was a pretty <laughs> scary color, um, you know, sort of sinister, um, yeah. frightening. Dragon, dragon-like bird. <laughs> I went there last summer, took Zachary, and they had some parrots there. One of them could talk, but all he could say was the name of the other parrot. So oh. he just kept saying, <laughs> hello, Eric. Hello, Eric. <laughs> On a <the> loop. <laughs> it's a still parrot. good. You should go for another day out. A it's parrot, good. A parrot called Eric. Yeah, we, yeah, we, There's a little train and everything. They still got the, um, the uh, paddling pools there. Yes. I did go in. It's knee-deep. Oh. It's, yeah. It was really nice on a summer's day, I seem to remember. Yeah, Bill, Bill Park, yeah. It's got a good adventure playground, Hugh, if that's what floats your boat. <laughs> oh, I do love an adventure playground, yeah. I need to go and look at the one at Dinton Pastures, actually. That's supposed that to be, is awesome. That's supposed to be excellent. That is a good one. I'm sure I'm, 30, I'm 38 and childless. I think that might look weird. Mm, I can lend you a four-year-old. <laughs> Go on then, Tom, what's Lovely. yours? Well, I, I had two. My one, number one, was um, Beaconscott Model Village up in uh, Beaconsfield, Beaconsfield. Um, still not a, not a housing estate, still there. Uh, still and, there. And absolutely brilliant. Uh, and the other one uh, was something I did recently for Berkshire Live was uh, Windsor Safari Park, which was amazing, uh, which is now not also, also not a housing estate, but not a safari park either. It's Legoland Windsor. Mm. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was good fun. Um, on Windsor Safari Park, I think you did the same. We I've written about it recently, and uh, childhood memories were just of killer whales and yep. excitement stuff like that. And then when you read about it, you suddenly start reading about awful things about how the animals were. Well, and, I think uh, no, but I think, I think oh, does it ruin the illusion? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, I think I think Windsor Safari Park did a lot of con. con I was going to say conversation. I meant conservation. I think they from read, when I was reading up on it, they they did an awful lot of conservation. I'm not saying that they necess, necessarily that meant that all of their animals were were. I, I'm not sure. I, I, it'd be difficult to kind of say one way or the other. But I do know they, there was an awful lot of convers, con, I nearly said it again conservation going on there. So I you know I don't know. But yeah, you're you're yeah, right. You read, uh, reading a lot about of scientific it. research into uh, into the um, uh, the dolphins and the killer yeah. whales that were there. As yeah. Well, I think. yeah, yeah. It's just weird that, that someone decided to do that right in the middle yeah. of the right part. Yeah. 
random. How it, I, I haven't got it in front of me, but I'll I'll dig it out. But how um how it all got started there was was quite interesting. So uh, it was one of one of the cir- like a circus family. I think I think they started it um, back in the I want to say seventies because it was only around for about twenty years and then it was gone. Um, yeah. Okay. That was yeah. It was it was one of the fun places. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, just before we go, though, um, to prove that we go out and about, my uh, I mentioned I would talk about him a little bit later, but my friend Paul Smithson took me along to a beer and cheese tasting event at Brewdog on Sunday, um, and I recorded a little audio log of how we got on. I'm down at Brewdog with my friend Paul, who very kindly purchased a beer and cheese tasting uh, was it a beer and cheese pairing, Paul, is it? It is, yeah, a beer and cheese pairing, so it should be quite interesting. It's a lovely little Sunday afternoon date for us. Uh, is Paul, Paul's bought a, a, a beer and cheese pairing session, and it starts at 4.30 at Brewdog, and, and we're going to uh, talk you through it. So, three beers so far, the Brewdog beer and cheese tasting session. Paul, what have we had so far? Uh, we have had Dead Pony Club... We have had the Lost Lager and we've had the Punk IPA. Uh, with the Lost Lager, we had a mature cheddar, which was uh, very nice, on a charcoal cracker. Uh, and then we had the Punk IPA with Gorgonzola. And we had the Dead Pony Club with the Miles Goat Cheese. And so far, they've all been fairly good. Uh, you got a particular favourite? Uh, for me, Punk IPA is very, very nice. I would have to say very, very nice. Very hoppy. Very hoppy. So, enjoying yourself? Yeah, it's really nice. And the girl seems very informative and very polite. And it's a really nice atmosphere and the people around us are good as well. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Paul. We'll, uh, we'll check in uh, after the... Uh, how many are we having? Do you know? I have no idea. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll check in after the 10th and see, uh, and see how, how well, well to do we are. <laughs> Right, we have just finished our beer and cheese pairing. Paul, uh, did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, it's really good. So we had five drinks in the end with five different cheeses. Certainly different to uh, try beers with cheese instead of wines with cheese. But it worked. And uh, yeah, no, really, really interesting. And um, I have to say the zombie cake and the punk IPA were lovely. It was uh, it was quite uh, quite enjoyable to be honest. It was just nice to get out of the house. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, and the Brewdog um, Pub is uh, it's a very nice place, very clean cut, very uh, enjoyable place, very good atmosphere. Uh, I would definitely recommend going there. Cheers, Paul. Thanks for um, thanks for paying for me. No worries. No, it's good good to go with you. Great time. <laughs> right, that's it for our little uh, beer and cheese tasting. We'll uh, speak to you later. A little bit like uh, last week's audio log, you can hear in that audio log how uh, things progressed throughout the afternoon. Um, I don't know if either of you two have listened back to last week's travel log, but Rach, certainly you and I both got a little bit um, a bit more lucid towards the end of it. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite an it was quite a fun one. So. Lucid. <laughs> I think we were less lucid. less lucid. Yes, sorry, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, but you must be you're, you're, you must have been quite tired as well, Tom, from the effort you were making to try to. Uh, yes. Okay. Thank well you. Well, the top brass of the <laughs> Okay. Thank I, you. Here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch the, uh, with the, the show. Old blade wannabe. The blade. I remember the blade. Yes, that was that was the best quote of the night. The poor man's blade. Yeah. Like <laughs> Which was all down to Rach. 
If you enjoy our prattlings about Reading, and if you've come this far, we assume you must be, please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every Monday morning. You can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Why, thank you. <clears throat> yes, okay. Uh, okay, don't forget, if you know someone we should be speaking to on the show, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. If you have a moment, please give us a rating on your podcast app. And if you have time to submit a review, please do. Uh, we'll be back next week where we'll all be in the same place for more Reddingy podcast goodness. Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that programme, uh, Hunted, on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that Did was you brilliant. Did see the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him at the funny Yes, that was brilliant.